Hello, hello, hello to our dedicated Shift Impact Build listeners. It is hard to believe that the 2020-2021 school year has started, and with that, we will start recording for season two soon. We know that many of you are missing our weekly episodes, so over the next few weeks, academic response team specialists will be reflecting over episodes from season one and talking about how the episodes have impacted our work. If you are listening to this podcast for the first time, be sure to go back and check out all of our season one episodes. Thanks. During our very first episode of Shift Impact Build, we introduced the Bronx Academic Response Team, discussed our use of improvement science to guide our work to address disproportionality and inequities that exist in schools, and had the privilege of interviewing Dr. Dia Bryant, the Deputy Director and Chief of Partnerships at the Education Trust in New York City. Prior to her current role at the Education Trust, Dia served as the Special Assistant to the New York City Department of Education First Deputy Chancellor Cheryl Watson-Harris, and in that role, she had an integral role in the development of the academic response team. Today, I am joined by Christine and Afifa, two members of the Bronx art team, to talk about how this episode impacted our work as art specialists. So thinking back to episode one, um, what stood out to each of you about um, Dr. Dia Bryant? Um, I'll start, Caitlin. Good morning. Um, And thank you for this opportunity to speak with you about the episode. I truly enjoyed listening to Dr. Bryant's philosophy on education and also hearing her story about how she got into this role. Um, The fact that she is a proponent of equity and she spoke to how she wanted to see equity in action. Mm -hmm. And also she mentioned about being in the right place at the right time. And I feel like that connects to our work because I think our team was a team that has been established in the right place at the right time for this work. Um, Thank you, Caitlin, for inviting me. I don't feel comfortable speaking publicly, but I could not resist your invitation. <laughs> so thanks again. <laughs> so uh, about Dr. Dia Bryant, I really admire her and her work. And there are certain things that she talked about, and especially about art. I really loved it. She mentioned that art was created to approach education differently. Um, she mm-hmm. explained that most people in education see change as a loss, but we want them to see change as actually a gain. And it's a positive addition to what we have already been doing and that's working. So the way she said it, well, like I have been thinking about it, uh, you know, as a professional, could not really articulate things the, the way she did. And um, so I really loved that about Dr. Dia Brown and what she said in the episode Mm -hmm. yeah I think a lot of what um, both of you shared like really um, you know resonated with me and you know early um, in on our interview she talked about like operationalizing equity and I think that that's um, part of the work that we are doing um, on the academic response team because we're not just about talking the talk with equity but about making those small changes in the schools that get to the the root of the equity issues that we see happening. Um, And so I really like that idea of operationalizing equity. 
So keeping um, with that idea or other things, was there any particular quotes or phrases that um, made you think about our work differently or impacted the way that you um, think about our work moving forward? Um, I found something that Chris said to be um, sort of captured our vision as a team. Um, He said um, the key to it is shift impact build Um, It really speaks to disrupting inequitable systems and then rebuilding them in a way that is equitable. Our process of context-specific improvement science with an equity focus is the way that we get there and the tool that we can use to help schools. Um, So again, the philosophies are all in alignment, not only with, um, you know, Dr. Bryant and our director, Chris, but obviously our executive superintendent and all the work at the BCO. Um, you know, we are poised also to be, um, you know, taking on this this focus and this passion, um, which I believe really came through um, from both Chris and Dr. Bryant during the interview about how, you know, equity is not like a buzzword. It's not something that we just toss around. It's, it's really our purpose and what we do. Um, and of course, our motto being shift, impact, build, um, you know, we want to live up to that as a team. Um, I found the quote both either Chris and Dia said or implied uh, that art is content driven and community driven. Uh, everything we do in the schools, it's based on the needs that that the community need, the students, the adults, uh, in terms of adults, the professional learning, the students need the, the learning strategies, the, uh, uh, the access. So, so everything we do, is, it's, it's about them. Uh, and we ensure that it's um, it's it's about the school community, and it also uh, comes from the data we see, the quantitative and qualitative data, and it's also aligned to the district and the Bronx borough. So those are the things that makes our work more impactful because we are not just coming from outside and doing things whatever we think we should be doing in the schools. So we actually get woven into the school community instead of just standing or working from outside. So I like that. Mm -hmm. I like those words woven into the community of FIFA. You know, we really try to become a part of that community. Um, And that made me really think about how Dia talks about like the context mattering. Mattering is not a word, but that the context matters. um, And that we try to go in and understand that school community. And we're not coming in with a one size fits all approach. um, But we want to learn about the community needs of that school, um, you know, the greater community, including the parents, um, families, students, and the stakeholders, and we tailor our work to meet those needs. So let's listen back to hear from Dia about why context is important. So I think just this 2019 just taught me something, and, and I woke up in September, and I, I literally, like, found myself saying to my husband every day, no, but context matters. No, but context matters. You can't just say, like, you can't just say that. Um, And I think New York City is like, first of all, it's the place that I I grew up as an educator, but it is the place where you can see context matters, (laughs) right? Like, like just take the borough of Brooklyn, right? Like, Williamsburg is so different than Greenpoint and they're adjacent, you know, Mm -hmm. so different than Bay Ridge where I taught, which is immensely different from Fort Greene where Mm -hmm. I taught, which is 
crazy different from East New York. And these things are like less than three miles apart. And that variation, not only does it require different leadership, these communities have different values. They have different aspirations. They have different cultural features. Um, I mean, uh, sort of families that are indigenous to the neighborhoods are different than those who are gentrifying the neighborhoods. Um, And it's just so important. And I think what we have, I'm going to pontificate here, so just roll with me. I think what we've done with some of the reforms over, you know, the last 20 years is we've allowed people with credentials, sort of to our point earlier, come in and say what people need without asking them what they want. And um, I think that COVID gives us an opportunity to ask folks what they want and and who they want to be and and what they want to do in the world and let them set that for themselves um, with the guidance of the credentialed folks, right? To say like, oh yeah, there's research that supports this. Um, Or, oh, I love that. And here's an idea of where we've tried that and where it's worked. Um, And I think as esteemed, educated folk, whatever that means, um, we have a responsibility to not just blanketly apply theories, but to gather from folks what they want, what they need, and then let the theory work on that. Because if it's a theory, it's always a theory. So the context, you know, (laughs) should drive how it, it works there. Yeah, sort of my thought there. Um, Christine, I think what you said made me think about what Dr. Gomez said about how um, to do real equity work, we need both the the skill and the will to do the work. Um, And I think, you know, when we talk about mindset, we're talking about that will, but then people need those skills also to get the work done. And I think that's where the improvement science comes in. Those, that improvement science gives us the tools to have the skills that we need to disrupt and then rebuild equitable systems um, across the Bronx and then across the greater New York City area as we extend our reach. Um, how, how do you connect something that Dia said to your work as an art specialist? I love when she said that school improvement happens to be my jam. Um, And I mentioned this earlier, it does connect to the uh, previous answer that I discussed about being in the right place at the right time. But in the beginning of the podcast, uh, you and Adelia were discussing the changes that have occurred in the Department of Education, formerly known as the um, uh, Board of Education, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how if this were 10 years ago, um, we don't think or you didn't think that the system would have been poised to uh, receive um, you know, the work that the academic response team is charged with doing. Um, they weren't ready. Um, so I feel that the opportunity to join our team now at a time when the school system and you know, the mindsets are starting to uh, shift, um, and now we're learning how to focus on school improvement in different ways, has, um, it speaks to 
um, the broader shift. Like we have the cultural shift, we have educational shifts. Um, but I think that, you know, um, again, being in the right place at the right time is a critical thing when you're talking about school improvement and also how to approach um, shifting mindsets and, and, you know, helping people see uh, a different way of looking at, you know, school improvement. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, Christine just stole what I was about to say, <laughs> but she's always Every mind yes. think alike. Yeah. I love working with her. As a matter of fact, I love working with all of our art specialists in the Bronx. Uh, however, I'd like to add another thing <laughs> that I connected um, uh, with Dia. Dia also mentioned, and she mentions it a lot. I heard her saying that in another event. Uh, she mentions the word unlearning, which I never heard of, uh, in the way she uses it. And, and she goes on defining what unlearning means. Uh, unlearning means keeping the good habits or the practices uh, and and adding the new ones that are also good and evaluate where, how do how we approach things, how we do things, what's working, what's not working. And it takes a minute for people, especially veteran teachers. Um, I would call myself uh, also, uh, you know, a veteran <laughs> professional. <laughs> I'm in my um, um, 23rd years. Mm -hmm. Actually, I finished 23rd years of service. But however, so unlearning is really, really a difficult work uh, for us. We need to do it in a very diligent and thoughtful way. And first, as professionals, we need to recognize that there are some things that we need to unlearn, that we need to discard. And if we don't do it, we cannot move forward. And we can't do the same thing and expect better results, right? So mm -hmm. unlearning is very important. And I thought it was uh, one of the key points uh, she mentioned in the episode. I think we should re-listen to the clip from Dia explaining what unlearning is and how we can apply it to our work. Oh, unlearning is like my new, I don't know if it's new. I, I, I don't know. It's like my baby, right? And it, it's become so close and dear to me. And once I figured it out, it just was like illuminating in so many ways. Um, one thing we know about change is change creates loss, sort of to your point earlier, Chris. But what we, what we often don't do when we have a change is say like, let's dump the bucket of what was before. Or if we dump the bucket of yeah. what was before, we say like, oh, get rid of those templates, get rid of those papers, right? We don't say like, oh, wait, those were just templates and papers, but the actual <clears throat> ideology, the actual ways of thinking, the episteme actually lives in the humans. Mm -hmm. So even if you dump the papers, yeah. The humans still have the habits. And to our point about identity, you know, those habits are what have largely made them successful. So they're not going to change them. They're going to show up and they're going to keep doing those habits until they're actually corrected or shown like this no longer serves us. And how you frame that sort of this no longer serves is really important to whether or not your change will actually take hold. So if you say, here's, we're going to a new place, that behavior served us in the last place we were trying to go, but it won't serve us moving forward. That's one conversation. 
But many leaders often will say, that's, that's just terrible. That was a bad idea. And we're just not using it anymore because it was attached to a specific person, place, or thing. Yeah, yeah that's not really a good frame because it actually makes a person feel like this dissonance of like, well, have I been doing it the wrong way this whole time? And when we deal with kids, there's this emotional attachment that, oh no, I've like done a disservice to children, right? And then mm -hmm. that makes the new change even harder to, to take hold. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. unlearning is super important and it, it helps us to like balance tensions because the future is really unknown. I wrote down that um, Dia said, um, unlearning is difficult when we realize that our practices may have done a disservice to children. And when we, feel, when we have that feeling that what we have been doing might have actually been detrimental or didn't do what we needed to do for the kids, I think sometimes it's hard to move past that feeling into you know, changing those practices. Um, because that reflection is hard, right? And we don't, none of us want to think that what we were doing was harmful to children. Um, but I think some of the things that I've learned about recently, I've realized if I had done things a little bit differently, I would have had a greater impact on some of my students um, or meeting their needs that I, that I often overlook. So I think that unlearning is important, but it's also, um, you know, it's really hard to change something that we've been doing for so, for a number of years. Um, even, you know, just two years of doing something one way is hard to, to change. Just to add to that, I also wrote another quote that resonated with me was about the unlearning. I believe Dia quoted John Cotter, who said mm -hmm. the status quo is more dangerous than any unknown future. Yeah. So that really hit me because it's true. Yes. And I think we're like living in that world right now, right? Where it's like, Precisely. We all, we all want to get back to normal, but we know that normal wasn't working for everyone. So right. how do we create that sense of urgency to change? Yes. Or redefine what is normal. Yeah. Yep. And that too. Um, so Dia also said that we often run up against beliefs that people have, but these beliefs are rarely said out loud. Um, and this can lead to tension when we do school improvement work. So that's something that I really want to keep with me as we go into the new, the, the next school year. Um, and I want to pay more uh, attention to the resistance that comes up when we do our artwork. Because, you know, sometimes I you know I was um, guilty of saying, oh, that teacher, um, you know, doesn't want to get with the artwork. They're challenging us but I didn't really spend a lot of time thinking about like why that teacher was resistant to our work. You know, what made them be cautious of the work that we were doing? Was it because, you know, our team seemed just like another initiative that the DOE was doing? Had they done something similar to this before and it didn't work out? So I want to keep what Dia was saying in mind that people have these beliefs that, that really um, stick with them, but they never bring those beliefs up. And that can just prevent us from getting the work done. So I'm going to try to better assess those situations and make some adjustments so that we can move um, forward. So I was wondering if either of you have something that you took from the episode that you really want to carry with you into this upcoming school year. 
Um, for me, it solidified what I've always believed, and I've said this since I've met everyone on the team, about building relationships and maintaining trust. I feel that everything that was shared in this episode from why this team was created to the belief systems that have been put in place, in order to establish you know, those relationships and bring change, people have to trust you. Mm-hmm. And so um, for me, it just, it sort of, um, you know, made me recommit to this process that we go through and realize just how important it is that, um, you know, we, we build those relationships. We, we have people, you know, know us as, as, as humans so that we get to know them as humans and they might then share belief systems and things that they're, um, you know, struggling with or, or, you know, firmly entrenched in that could be a potential roadblock to the work. Um, and obviously, you know, the more you get to know people, the more they'll be willing to open up, hopefully, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, be vulnerable. And I think that that is part of the unlearning as well. Um, you can't unlearn if you're not acknowledging, you know, what your current stance is. And in order to even go there, people have to know that we're, we're truly there to help the children in our, in our borough as well as in New York City. Um, and if they don't believe in that, if they don't believe in us it makes it that much more challenging. So I'm going to continue, um, you know, my, my personal stance on building relationships mm-hmm. and the critical need for trust in our work. Mm-hmm. Um, like Christine says, uh, I will also continue to work on building trust when I'm in the school. And I mentioned earlier that our goal is to actually uh, be part of the community and not stand outside of the community. And in order to do that, it's very important. We, tr- we we've been trusted by by constantly demonstrating how uh, vested we are in their best interests. Um, and also, um, our uh, my focus will be shifting mindsets. Uh, we have been talking about uh, Dia's uh, word uh, unlearning. Uh, you know. Uh, teaching people how to discard some of the current practices Mm -hmm. that are not working. And in order to do that, we have to be an example of that. We have to show them how, you know, how it could be done or make them see uh, how, how it looks like uh, while you are actually working and trying to unlearn things. And, um, We'll do everything in order to ensure equity and access for our black, brown, immigrant students, our English language learners, and our students with disabilities and their families. And the way we'll do it, we do it through the implementation of improvement science. And um, we will continue to try to influence, and I will personally, I know I know that as a team, we all will try to influence change and strive to dismantle and rebuild inequitable systems that uh, we are committed to do to support our Bronx schools in order to support our, our students and their families. Um, well, Afifa and Christine, I really appreciated you joining me today for this little chat about episode one um is there anything else either of you would like to share with the listeners about this episode it was the first one i listened to and um i think it really set the stage for the rest and i think you guys are doing a fantastic job and everybody should be checking us out checking you guys out 
uh, you know, this new podcast uh, initiative as a team, I think is really, um, it's, you know, it's a, it's a platform for you guys and for us to really share our feelings and passion about the work. So we thank, I thank you for the opportunity to join you today. Um, I want our listeners to know that this episode reflects the ideas we implement or the work we do with our school or how we approach our work with our schools, how we uh, hold hands or, or, or teach a school community members how to do things uh, in a different way that mm-hmm. will bring in better results for our students. So um, this is a great op- uh, episode and um, this really reflects uh, uh, what we do. Well, thank you both for joining us. Um, I want to add one thing that I want the listeners to know um, that Dia spoke about um, alchemy and things working out in weird ways in the bonus episode that we had with her. And that part made me really think about how last year um, when I was deciding whether or not I would join the art team, I had a different, um, I had another opportunity to um, do some leadership work and I kept going back and forth about should I take the art team position? Should I take this other team position? Um, and I, after a year of being on this team, I think it was really meant to be that I took this, this job. Um, so it's been a great year. And I would also add that if I hadn't taken this job, I don't know if Adelia would be on this team because I encouraged her at the Bronx TLC meeting to talk to Misha and Nancy about joining our team and not going to Manhattan. So, you know, I think it all worked out and, you know, when we annoy Chris, it's because it all was meant to be. So... Right place, right time. (laughs) Exactly. Right place, right time. Thanks again, Christina Nafifa, for joining me today. If you haven't listened to episode one or the bonus episode with Dr. Dia Bryant, go back and check out those episodes. Make sure to subscribe to Shift Impact Build to hear our reflections on the other episodes from season one and be the first to hear when we release season two. If you want to learn more about the topics we mentioned today or have a question about what we shared, connect with us on Twitter at BX underscore AR team. Visit our website at sites.google.com backslash strongschools.nyc backslash Bronx art or send us an email. Don't forget to like our podcast and subscribe so you know when new content has been uploaded.